0: Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR.
1: How's your Tuesday going? Thanks so much for spending part of it with us today. Interesting conversation this half hour. We talk a lot about discrimination. The fact that you cannot discriminate due to a person's skin color, religion, gender. What about their status when it comes to the economic status? Do we discriminate against the poor? I want you to mull that one over as I introduce my guest, Elizabeth MacIsaac, president of Maytree, exploring solutions to poverty using a human rights approach. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us. Hi there. What is Maytree? I know I said exploring solutions to poverty using a human rights approach, but tell me about Maytree. Well, Maytree is a, it's a
0: foundation in Toronto, um, and we have focused, our, our objects as a charitable foundation are to solve poverty, to, to look at solutions to poverty. Uh, we've done this in a number of different ways over the last 35 years, but about three years ago, uh, we made the decision that we wanted to look at um, what doors open when we look at human rights and think about poverty as, a, as the protections of social and economic rights.
1: If we are looking at solving poverty, I guess part of that is our overall perception of poverty. And I want you to tell me a little bit about a, a study that was conducted by the Ontario Human Rights Commission when it came to our attitudes of discrimination against particular groups.
0: Well, uh, the Ontario Human Rights Commission, um, early in 2017, went to field with a survey and they surveyed about 1,500 Ontarians and they asked a series of questions on a whole bunch of different ranges on, on a number of different grounds of discrimination. But one of, the, one of the results of that showed that only 39% of people that uh, responded said that they had somewhat positive views of people receiving social assistance. And that's alarmingly low, Um, and it it tells us that there is an attitude uh, toward people who are receiving social assistance that they are somehow an undeserving poor, that that there is a stigma attached to that.
1: When you then say um, discriminating against the poor, how do how do we see that? Because I I know when we talk about discrimination against maybe a sexual preference, a gender, a race, skin color, those are fairly obvious. But what do you mean by discriminating against the poor?
0: so it can come up in a number of different ways and in in ontario we have a a, an mpp who is putting forward a private member's bill to amend the human rights code to include this to include social condition it's called and the areas that they see this affecting are things like you apply for an apartment um, and you're not given the apartment because perhaps you have what appears to be unstable employment or you have other trappings of being poor that would would indicate that you may not be uh, relied upon. Uh, Currently in Ontario, you can't be discriminated against in housing um, if you're in receipt of social assistance, but this would open it up much more broadly. Um, another example, I think, that that, um, that we've heard about here in Ontario, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens elsewhere, is when you receive social assistance, you're you have uh, you're entitled to a uh, voucher for, for dental care, a certificate to get dental care. And there are regions where there's not a single dentist who's willing to accept that certificate, and they're allowed to say no. And so that's discrimination based on your social condition.
1: And going back to even the, the landlord, that's a Tough one. I understand the social assistance and I know people within my neighborhood receive social assistance and they're able to rent in our neighborhood. But ultimately, doesn't the landlord have to look at the applicant to see if they are going to be a good tenant? They do,
0: um, but they they can't make an unfair determination um, or assumption. So it's the assumptions that you put against it. If someone puts forward that they have, you know, uh, ample that they're they're bringing in enough money to cover, so that's that's a legitimate bona fide question on the part of the landlord. But if the landlord looks at the person and says, Ah, I don't know. That doesn't look like someone I want to have in my building. Um, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to hold down a job. It's those types of assumptions and stereotypes that become problematic.
1: Mm. Uh, But then it's also um, hard to prove that that's why that person didn't receive the apartment.
0: It's very hard. And, mm-hmm. and so, we, you know, we, when you talk to people who are working in housing with people who are difficult, having difficulty finding housing, it's very, it's tricky because landlords can, there's all kinds of very, um, you know, uh, pat answers that they can provide um, and, and it's very difficult to get at them.
1: When you talk about the changes to the Human Rights Code, and as you said, it was uh, proposed by this private member's bill, uh, you're not allowed to turn people away because they are poor or homeless, have a particular genetic history, or refuse testing to determine genetic history, have precarious immigration status, or have a police record of any kind unless that record is related to a bona fide occupational requirement. Right away, I'm thinking of if you are a coffee shop and... Only customers are allowed to use the restroom. Would that be considered discrimination against the poor because they're not allowed to, they can't afford to buy coffees and they're refused the service of using a washroom? Does that fall in there?
0: Um, I think it can. It depends on how it's executed. So, so you know, if, if someone isn't a customer, if they haven't gone in and bought a coffee, then that's, that's, uh, that's how you can put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that that can become, you know, that, that can be seen that way. Um, when you refuse, when someone comes in and buys a coffee, maybe they have enough to buy a coffee and they're, they're sitting there perhaps longer than you feel comfortable and you move them along, then that's when it becomes discriminatory the reality is this is going to be very difficult to enforce because we're kind of going right to the, the point of enforcement mm-hmm. um and some of these things will never be enforced effectively and we already know that with for example receipt of social assistance in housing it can be very difficult to prove what it does, though, by putting it in place is it, it pushes our public conversation about what's acceptable and, and what are our values around this. And I think that's the equally important a conversation for us to have. What is our culture of human rights in this country? And, and what is our sense of dignity for each person? And, and that's, I think, as important as, and it, and it becomes when we codify that in a, in a human rights code, that makes it a very tangible um, sort of stake in the ground for what our values are.
1: And do you think ultimately because I know you say to end poverty was that your term or to eliminate poverty?
0: Yeah, to ultimately if we are effectively protecting people's social and economic rights then you would bring an end to poverty.
1: And and I wonder if in ending poverty we have to end our view of uh, of the poor as well because Um, I'll be curious to see what my listeners have to say on the text, but do we have this misconception about the poor, and as you say, it becomes discriminatory, so how do they move ahead if we are holding them down almost with our views?
0: Well, and that's that's the the challenge of looking only at issues of discrimination, so a lot of our work is also looking at how do we create... Um, opportunities for people to move out of poverty, so that we are we have systems in place, and we are um, as governments and as as citizens and as other. Um, stakeholders in our community, we are creating the positive conditions, and there's a positive duty to create um, opportunities for employment, ensuring that there is housing available. Um, you know, if we look at at the national level, we have recently um, heard about a national housing strategy that is that is putting in place a right to housing, which is new in Canada we don't have that articulated and so I think that that's a step forward in creating some of those protections that are in place as part of our system
1: Elizabeth I want to take a break here Elizabeth MacIac is my guest she's the president of May tree just looking at um, our pres- of poverty? Uh, Do we discriminate against the poor? How can we change that or should we change it? And especially when it comes to that view that the person who has found themselves in the situation, it was their choice. We're going to explore that after this. I'm Angela Cocott. That's my name. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR and just having a conversation about Our views towards the poor. Do we discriminate based on poverty? Elizabeth McIsaac, president of Maytree, where in Ontario they are looking at a private members bill and they want to amend the human rights, the Ontario Human Rights Code, to make it illegal for employers and other service providers to turn people away because they are poor or homeless, and it goes on. And and Elizabeth, I did a quick look at our Alberta Human Rights Act. And when I look at discrimination regarding goods, services, accommodation facilities, it says no person shall deny any person or class of persons any good services, but because of race, religious beliefs, color, gender, gender identity, gender expression, physical disability, mental disability, ancestry, place of origin, marital status, source of income, family status, or sexual orientation of that person. I feel that maybe source of income, mental disability... I'm not sure if uh, it sounds like within our Alberta Human Rights Act, we may be protecting those people who find themselves um, below the poverty line. I would say that there's
0: elements of it there. Elements. Absolutely. Um, I think now there's three provinces where social condition as such is explicitly included, Manitoba, um, Quebec and the Northwest Territories. They've, they've labeled it as that. And so it's a little bit more encompassing, but I think you're right. Certainly looking at issues of, of mental health um, and receipt of social assistance are, are two important elements. It just social condition casts it more broadly.
1: How do we define poor? Or do we look at the poverty line? Is that what we determine to see if someone is poor? Um, so, so poor
0: is poverty is is one thing, and there's a whole bunch of different measures, and there's lots of debate about yeah. how do we define that, and whether it's an average, a, a low income average. What is the is whether it's based on the cost of a basket of goods? There's there's lots of debate in the policy world about that. In the context of this, um, they're really focusing on your employment status. Your source or level of income, so that plays into that. Like, what is that level of income, mm-hmm. um, housing status, and level of education? So, those are are the elements that make up social conditions. So, it it includes issues of poverty, and it includes that those, some of those exclusionary um, elements.
1: The discrimination aside, does our society not already look at how we can take care of? Those people who find themselves in situation, and as I'm pointing to uh, programs in Alberta, R.H., which is the um, assistance program, um, we have. Do we not have things in place? You're you're focusing more just on the discrimination as opposed to how we treat these people overall.
0: So, so a lot of the work that we do at Maytree is actually focused on the other, which is, you know, what are we doing to put in place a social safety net that protects people from falling through the cracks, um, from experiencing that poverty? And you're right. Um, Canada, as a, as a country, and, and each of the provinces, I think, um, have, have variations of this. We do have a relatively healthy social safety net, we have social assistance programs, we have disability support programs, we have a, a long list of, of benefits and supports to pe- keep people out of poverty, but there are holes in that safety net. It, it's frayed in some places. We have minimum wages that have, you know, uh, have perhaps not kept pace with the cost of living, or we have um, social assistance rates that don't keep pace. In, you know, In Ontario, it's almost impossible to, to, to live in Toronto and pay the rents that Toronto um, goes at and, and do that on a social assistance income, which is, you know, around $800 a month for a, a, a single person. That's pretty hard to live on um, and to be fed and clothed uh, in a winter.
1: And that leads me to what I often hear, and I'm getting some text on this, that, wait, we already do this much for people who find themselves in uh, a more at-risk population or a vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. And how much is it... On the responsibility of that person, because this goes back to um, a common complaint that we do as much as we can for them. Ultimately, though, what responsibility do they have to pick themselves up from poverty or from the state they find themselves in?
0: So that's a really important question because we all have responsibility. We have rights and responsibilities. Um, and, but I think that what's important to bear in mind is that, that there are um, systems in place that, that produce poverty. So... People aren't choosing it. They don't say, you know what, I'm going to sign up for that because that, that's an easier path. It's a path of, of least resistance. It's very difficult to live on that. And part of our systems, as as well-intended as they are, sometimes exclude people from being able to get out of the system. Um, sometimes it's called the welfare wall, where it's it's more difficult to start working and, and cover your costs and to get off welfare than it is to simply stay on because our system can create disincentives. And so it, it, there's a whole, and that's just one example, But there are a number of uh, it's complex, Uh, so there are so it can be difficult. I think that what's important is that we we begin with the individual person and what is their experience and not project and assume that all people receiving social assistance um, aren't just trying hard enough.
1: Mm. We often look at other countries for what they how they handle situations, whether it be legalizing drugs, marijuana. Do we have any countries where we truly, they have managed to figure out this this dilemma when it comes to poverty?
0: Well, I, I certainly think some of the, the Scandinavian countries have had um, a culture of a, a greater social welfare uh, sensibility, and I think that they have um, higher thresholds of what they insure, but they also have a tolerance for paying a higher tax rate. Mm. And, and so it, it is cultural. As we, Part of this is our social contract with one another. What are we prepared to uh, to, to commit to one another? How are we prepared to look at trusting our institutions to tax us, to tax us effectively, and to put that back in the system so that we benefit from it. And how do we see how we benefit from taxation over the course of our lifetime? You know, in our middle years when we're paying into it, we, we feel very um, uh, taxed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at our early years and our later years, we are taking from. And so I think there's, you know, that, that ability to, to build it into our culture where we are always benefiting from it, and we're benefiting from paying into the educational system we're pay- we're benefiting from paying into the healthcare care system we need to be able to see that value as we go through the course of our life and not feel that just see it in the moment that we are currently in
1: Elizabeth I know we were supposed to well we've been talking about discrimination against the poor but it is such a broad topic that we had to go in a number of different directions but thanks so much for starting the conversation my pleasure Elizabeth MacIsaac, she is the president of Maytree. I've got lots of texts coming in, so I definitely want to carry this conversation over into our next half hour. Do you think our society discriminates against the poor? I have to say that when we talk about the, the safety net, and sure, there's going to be people who fall between the cracks, but I almost think we talk so much about minimum wage, and we've, we've talked about living, living wage, living income, guaranteed income. I think there is a better way of doing it. It's just that when it gets in the hands of the bureaucrats, something goes wrong. 403-974-8255. I'll open up the phone lines as well. Just your thoughts on this topic, our perception of the poor after this.